0: Amen and praise God. That was awesome. Thank you guys so much. That was sweet. Hey, how's everybody doing? Nice. Nice. Hey, uh, so last week uh, we had, oh, I'm I'm Ben, by the way. I work here. Um, And uh, if you're new, like Connor said, man, we really are super glad you're here. Uh, This week's a little bit of a different week. So if like this is your first time, uh, it's also your last time for this calendar year, uh, but also this is kind of different, what we're about to do, um, and so stay tuned. Come back, join us in, in the middle of January and, and get to be a part of this thing. Uh, but last week, what happened was we had Dr. Ted Kitchens and his wife, Lynn, on stage. Yep, they were a big deal. You guys remember that? Okay, a few of you guys remember that. Um, and, uh, and I just thought, man, let's find some people who are really godly and who love the Lord and have a ton of wisdom, and I'm just gonna pick their brain. And so we're kind of doing this thing where last week and then this week, I'm just grabbing people that I love and pulling up on stage. And last week, Ted was fine, but I was like, man, there's got to be somebody more godly than Ted and Lynn.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: And I was like, who's more godly than a combination of Ted and Lynn? And then I realized this man is on staff here. This is Matt Lance. He is, uh, people get saved at his very breath at times. Oh, my gosh. he people get converted in traffic when he cuts them off, they just repent, and his wisdom just oh exudes from him. Anyway, man, this, this is, is Matt Lance. He is on staff here at Christ Chapel. Um, I'll let him tell you a little bit about what he, where he's been doing the last uh, dozen years. Uh, but he's a guy who, um, when we were kind of thinking, man, how are we going to wrap up this year, and how do we bring something really neat and rich to Wednesday night? Uh, this is a guy that I have a ton of respect for, and so I thought I'm going to drag him up here. And make him spew wisdom all over you guys. So.
1: Well, thank you, Ben. Yeah. I appreciate that. The it. bar has been set. I hope I have a job here because yeah, you told me to take yeah. Ted and put me all over that. So. <clears throat> yeah. hey, guys, you are better than Ted, though, I, I, oh, no. in every way. Mm. And Lynn. Mm. Uh, mm. Yeah. Oh, and this is getting recorded, too. Oh, gosh. So here Oh here, here, gosh. Here, 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 oh, here gosh. <laughs> guys, it's great to meet you. My name's Matt. Um, let's see. So a little bit about me. Um, I'm married. My wife's name is Darcy. We've been married for 15 years. In fact, in two weeks, it'll be our 15th anniversary. Way so we're go. very excited oh. about that. You did yeah. it. You did um, it. made it that they far. They said you couldn't do it, and you did it. I know. The Lord brought us that far. We'll see if he can take us all the way. We've go, got man. three kiddos, uh, a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, a three-year-old. Um, I have uh, just transitioned here to Christ Chapel. My role on staff is I'm the recruitment and development pastor, which is really kind of a fancy word for you know, headhunter or something like that. Sure. So my job is really to recruit people to work on staff and then make sure once they are on staff that they're developed and that they're staying spiritually healthy. So, he uh, led me to the Lord last it's week. It's true. It was awesome. It's true. Ben he was total <laughs> pagan. He'd be yep. D- surprised where I found him. Big so, D- deal, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, so I've, uh, I come from a place called Pine Cove out in East Texas. Are you guys familiar with Pine Cove? Uh, I worked there for about 12 years. I was a director of a discipleship program there called The Forge, and so I would work with uh, 20-somethings. Uh, for eight months, we would disciple them in, in leadership and uh, character identity formation, um, that sort of thing. And so... I think over my 12 years there, we, um, we, we mentored about 300 college students in that time, so it was a really great time, learned a lot. Um, prior to that, I actually was a youth pastor out here in Alito for uh, about five years, and then um, I was getting my master's at DTS um, just before, or just after I graduated from TCU in 2000. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm Go Frogs class of 2000, so uh, yeah. that's, my, that's my tie to Fort Worth, I grew up we in Plano, on the north side of Dallas. We've got a lot so of TCU people in here. Any Criswell College
0: grads? For real? You went to Criswell? What well, I don't, I can't see you. <laughs> <laughs> the, the answer to that question is yes, but I can't actually see you because of the lights. What's your name? Who is that? Hey, Alyssa, of course. We had that class, we had that class together. We had that class, yes. Hey, Alyssa. Glad you're here. I've, I honestly said that I didn't know other people actually went to Criswell College. I thought I was the only one. So nice, two people. So she's not better than Ted and Lynn. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe Cris- Criswell is just. Uh, I mean, we're kind of. We how did you get into Criswell? March to way? the. I don't know, man. I just them, huh? stumbled into okay. Criswell Bible College for my It was <laughs> pretty great. Our mascot was. You want to tell them what the mascot was? Yep, that's right. <laughs> we did not have a mascot. That's how big we were. Uh, <laughs> Anywho, uh, yeah, so <laughs> uh, here's, what, uh, here's, what, uh, here's what we're doing. So we have gone through this last uh, semester in the book of Ephesians. Uh, we've been in the book of Ephesians, and we were talking about this. We grabbed lunch last week, um, and one of the big themes that we've talked about that pops up in Ephesians is identity. Mm-hmm. I mean, the identity is so core to what Paul is doing uh, in that letter, mm-hmm. and, so, uh, mm-hmm. and so that's something that you've, you've studied a lot and jumped into so that's where we're gonna start. Great. Um, unpack for us
1: what your definition of identity is. So I'll say a couple of things on this, on this point. So when I was, wor- I've been working with uh, uh, millennials or 20 somethings for probably uh, next to 15 to 20 years. And over the course of that time, um, there's been a pretty consistent theme for me that I've seen in the lives of people that are your age. They come out of college and they start their working life and they come to a program like The Forge that I, that I spend a lot of time with and They know a lot of things, they're passionate about a lot of things, but they don't exactly know what they want to do. They have a lot of competence, they have a lot of skill, but they they have so many options they don't know how to pick one. And when it comes time to pick one, they get real nervous because they're afraid they're going to make the wrong decision. And so what we would do at The Forge and, and what I still continue to do to this day is we help people understand that, look... Um, Identity is something, or purpose, or calling, whatever words you want to use, is something that's really important to discern, especially at this stage in life, because it's going to affect all the decisions that you're going to make from here on out. If it hasn't already, it will in the future. And so as we worked with these, so a lot of the students, some would take a year off of college and come when, like, they were sophomores. Some would come right when they graduated. But we would find that so many of them were so excited to not just learn about the text, But they're also really excited to get somebody to tell them, hey, this is how I think you are doing, and this is what I think you're good at, and this Mm -hmm. is how I think you're gifted. So when it comes to identity, when it comes to purpose, it's the one thing, I think, in this world that can't be bought, okay? You can't go to Walmart and get your purpose for your life, okay? You can go to a college and you can get all kinds of competence, but you can't buy purpose, so when it comes to identity, when it comes to purpose, I define it like this: that identity is declaration that defines being. It's a declaration that defines being, and I think that that declaration uh, includes two things: form and function. Okay, so if I'm a hammer, I not I don't just um, I'm not just I don't just exist as a hammer. I have a function. I was designed for a reason. I was made out of very specific materials so that I can drive a nail into a piece of wood.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, that is something that hits, hits home for me. I think that definitely hits home with this, with us, with this mm-hmm. generation, with this ministry specifically, uh, this idea of, man, what is our calling? And one of the things I love about this ministry and this uh, just this season of life is we are a generation who says, man, I want to change the world. I want I don't want to just... We have seen a lot of us, at least, have seen the American dream fail in our parents, mm-hmm. and I don't mean fail as in successfully and financially. We've seen it fail in the sense of uh, that didn't provide them purpose. Like great, the house and the picket fence, and and they're still they're still not happy. They're it's not empty. satisfied. And yeah. so one of the things I love about our generation is we want to be we want to be driven by that purpose. So you said uh, you said it is declaration that defines being that defines being. So who
1: determines? that declaration? That is the question, okay? <clears throat> because at this day and age, when you come out of college, when you, you, know, you start your first career, you're identified by the things that you're good at. And that's how you've made your friends. That's how you got your job. That's why you picked the major that you had. So you've, you've done all these things that you're really good at. And the problem is we tend to define ourselves by what we can do well. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but when it comes to identity and purpose, did you guys ever see the movie Back to the Future? Okay, so you got George McFly.
0: If you didn't, you you can just leave. You can
1: just leave right now. Just kidding. Just kidding, don't leave. So in the movie Back to the Future, spoiler alert, just a little bit. In the movie Back to the Future, uh, Marty McFly's dad, George McFly, at one point in the movie tells him, son, you can be anything you want to be if you just set your mind to it. And that's kind of a mantra. I mean, like, if you want to change the world, you can do it. Go out and do it. Make a difference. Go for it. But last time I checked, if I set my mind to be LeBron James, that's not going to happen, okay? It doesn't matter if I set my mind to do something. I can't do everything because I've been designed specifically to do something. You guys studied Ephesians. So in chapter 2, you, everybody knows the verse. It's by grace you've been saved, through faith. And this is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, right? Everybody can quote verses 8 and 9. But you miss the connection to verse 10. Why have you been saved by grace through faith? Because we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand for us that we should walk in them. So the question becomes, do you know what those good works are? Do you get to choose what they are? And what does it mean to be handcrafted, to be the handcrafted work of God? So when it comes to, when it comes to de- the declaration, a lot of us want to define who we are. You ever met anybody that gave themselves their own nickname? <laughs> anybody like hanging out with people who have self-inflicted nickna- nicknames? <laughs> Not cool, right? I think the same thing is true about identity. You look, the person sitting next <clears throat> to you, you probably admire and go, wow, if I could be more like that person, I might actually have a decent shot of making a difference in this world. We're all looking at other people in this room going, gosh, if I could just be more like him.
0: Not me. He's not talking about me. Nah, not me.
1: <clears throat> I got to get back at you somehow the rest of the night. It's like, I'm, not as, I'm not as quick as you are. You get I'm going to figure man. it out one of these days. Um, so at the end of the day, we're all trying to figure out how I can achieve that. Sure. And so I'm going to look and I'm going to try to say, well, he's doing it right, so Maybe if I started doing what he's doing, then maybe then I'll matter and I'll make a difference. But the problem is, God didn't design me the way he designed him. He designed me for things he didn't design you for. Mm -hmm. He designed you for things he didn't design me for. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, you have a choice to make. Either God designed you, and he's the one that decides who you are and what you're doing on on the planet. Or you decide who you are and why you're on the planet. And if I could say this. Please. You're living in a world right now that says you get to decide. And let me just tease this out here for a second. Um, so many people choose to define their identities by a facet of their identity. Okay? One of the, one of the examples of this right now is sexuality. <clears throat> the way I identify sexually with someone is how I'm going to choose to shape my entire identity around that one thing, okay? And the problem with that is, um, as culture has evolved, take it back to the 1960s, culture began to reject a moral authority in the church. And as society progressed, you find continual uh, rejection, not just of morals, but of religion, and then not just religion... Um, But now, coming into our day and age, we're starting to reject the concept of truth, and even more strangely now, we're starting to reject the ultimate authority that's been the ultimate authority for our culture for a long time, and that's science, where a biological male or female can say, no, I'm really not a biological male or female. I'm going to decide that I am this or that or none of the above. And so a rejection of authority of science, a rejection of authority of morals, and even just recently, um, rejection of law enforcement. What was the hashtag when Trump got elected? Not my president. You're going to have rejection of political authority. The ultimate authority (coughs) in life is you. And how, how do you talk to your friends? Who are you to say that I'm this? Who are you to say that I'm not that? I get to decide who I am. Who are you to tell me that I'm not that? If we live our lives that way, then it's going to be like a hammer saying, I'm a saw. And it's going to try to saw a wooden half. And it's going to, can I say suck? You can say suck all you want to man. It's, it's going to suck at it.
0: That's <laughs> how we roll and renovate.
1: I don't know you how say you roll. Sucks. Here. I mean, you went to Criswell College, I so do. I mean, you
0: couldn't have said it at Criswell. Am I right? You couldn't have said it at Criswell. No, ma'am. <laughs> we
1: say sucks all the time, though. So, if I'm a hammer and I'm trying to saw wood in half because I look at the person next to me who's, a, who's designed to be a saw, and all I spend my time doing is trying to imitate him, but God designed me to be a hammer, I'm going to try my best. I'm not going to give up. And what's going to happen? I'm going to suck at it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to cut through wood. I'm going to get really frustrated. And then I'm going to go look and see, well, maybe I could be a drill. I'm going to keep searching for other things and I'm going to continue to be dissatisfied because I'm trying to make myself into something that I was not designed to be because I have not chosen to submit to my design. Hmm. That's the hard part about this. If we are created beings, and if most of us in this room believe in a creator God, that he didn't, he didn't roll us off an assembly line, but he actually handcrafted you. That's what the word in Ephesians 2.10 means, that you're actually handcrafted. That means that you have a purpose that I don't have, and that you have a purpose that I don't have. And that the only way the body of Christ actually works and becomes the hands and feet of Jesus in the world is when each of us decide, I'll be the hammer, you cut the wood, I'll seal them together with the nail. And that's like, as the body of Christ comes together in that way, where I don't have to compete with you mm-hmm, anymore, mm-hmm. I don't have to try to define myself by being better or worse than you mm-hmm. anymore. I can be exactly what God designed me to be. That's when the body of Christ operates and the world gets to experience the church like Jesus never left.
0: That's incredible, man. That's so incredible. I, uh, I want to say something before I ask you this next question, mm-hmm. and this is more just to you guys who I love. Uh, Man, I hope you guys hear this. Uh, I mean, I'm sitting here, and um, I, I think this hits home, I, and I, and I want to challenge you guys even if it doesn't hit home, and if you're like, ah, I don't know, I feel like I, I mean, I, I really feel like God has blessed me in some cool ways, and I've got this incredible role in my life that really feels like a calling, and yet as you talk, I think, man, there's all kinds of ways in in the dark place of my heart where I still continue to do that, You mm-hmm. know, I think a lot of people would look and be like, okay, well, you found this calling and that, and you've, mm-hmm. you know almost 35, and I'm mm-hmm. man, what you're saying is so applicable to say, I need more of that. I, yeah. ha, I'm trying to manipulate and shape my own identity based on me or based on the comparison or based on, well, that's what that guy does. Uh, I love that, man. That's so good. How do we do that? How do we take that from, okay, philosophical, God defines me, not the world, not myself, not my own authority. I'm going to submit to his authority. There is a design. How do we do that?
1: That's a great <clears throat> question. I think the first step is an Attitude first of all, you have to have an attitude of submission. If you're you're constantly feeling the need to define yourself by what you can accomplish, Mm -hmm. if you think that an identity can be built, it's not true. Identities are received because you're designed. You're a creation of a creator. And so if you're trying to build an identity, you're actually not building an identity at all. You're building something that's a false identity. It's a false way of understanding God. So the first thing is trust. I think identity is best lived out if it's first submitted to. Where I realize and I understand, okay, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever played sports, but you, you go try out for that position that you really want to be, and the coach tells you, no, you're not that. You're this. You kind of let down, but when you, and you actually trust the coach and go, okay, I'm going to play this position that you assigned me to, I'm actually more effective in that way. So first, I think, is an attitude of trust and submission and trust that God's design of you is not a mistake. Hmm. The trust that gifts that God has given you are not inadequate, that he didn't waste time on you when he created you and gave you the upbringing that you have, the gifts that you have, the personality that you have, the callings that you have. Hmm. He means to employ those within the body of Christ. He's not meaning just to think that you are always need to think of yourself as less than someone else means for you to actually serve and to put your design to use. So that's step one. Step two is you have to understand your design itself. And the problem with that is you're going to have a really hard time doing that yourself. If you can't be the one to tell you who you are and you can be anything you want to be if you just set your mind to it, identity discovery is not a matter of... Um, uh, climbing up on a mountain and meditating looking yeah. inward and you know <clears throat> self searching and self help when you come to a place like this and you build relationships with the people sitting next to you yeah. and you go out and serve in the community together and when you go out and uh, have parties at each other's houses and bring other people in and you share the gospel with them and that's when people can go wow i see this in you mm-hmm. that's amazing do you know that you're really good at this mm-hmm. or when somebody can come up to you and say you know, I see you spending a lot of time trying to do that, and you look frustrated mm-hmm. a lot. Do you, do you have to do that? Have you thought about doing something else? Because I think you'd be, you'd be great here. And then when you come into a community, it really gives you the opportunity to see other people's designs instead of your own. You guys are, it's final season. You got, how many of you guys had to write a big term paper before the end of the semester? Or you, you had to do a big presentation for work? Or like something big where you're like, you spent a ton of time on it? Hopefully a ton of time. <laughs> and you got so familiar with it. You guys ever give, you remember giving a paper to your friend, asking them, hey, will you proof this, proofread this for me? I'm sure there's a mistake in here somewhere, but I just can't see it anymore. I'm too familiar with my own work that I can't see the, my own glaring mistakes. I remember, I was an English major in college. I handed an English paper to my roommate, and he looks back at me, and he goes, do you believe in periods? <laughs> do you know what a period is? Are you an English major? like, what are you talking about? And he picked out five in my paper. I just didn't put a period. I proofread that thing 10 times. But it was so blatant to him because he was so unfamiliar with it. Those things stuck out, and it was easy for him to see and comment into Speaking my life and that, say, yeah. this is what I see. That's so good. And I think that's the second step that you need to take.
0: That's so good. Okay, so when we talk about identity, I think one of, one of the places that my brain goes to, especially with, with us in this room, is career, mm-hmm. right? And I think a lot of guys and girls I talk to in here... It's if that battle to, man, what is the right career? And, and some people have found it, but they still wonder, man, what is my role in that? What's the difference
1: between calling and career? How do we? Okay. So this <clears throat> is really important. So first thing, your career can be a part of your calling and your design, but it doesn't have to be. Our careers exist for us to provide for ourselves and for our families. Okay? If you don't have a job that's your passion, that's okay. I'm serious. It's okay to have a job that you aren't passionate about. And I would say, I would venture to say, 80% of people in the world don't like their jobs. They are working not because they like their jobs, but because they pay money. <laughs> okay? And that's why, it's one of the main reasons why you work. Now, if you can find a job that's in your calling, that's the sweet spot, and that's great. Hold on to that job as long as you can. But your calling, your purpose, your design is not your vocation. Your calling, your purpose, your design is what you will do regardless of whether or not you get paid for it. Okay. One of the things that God's gifted me and called me and designed me to do is to teach. So if, there was no, if nobody came tonight, I would sit up here and I would say everything that I'm saying to you right now. Because I can't help myself. I go outside and find a tree or something and say, hey, have you found your identity? Um, because I, weird. I can't not do that. That's the way that God has designed me. And other people have spoken that into my life and confirmed that for me. And that really, that really helps me understand the difference. Now, here's where it gets messy. If we don't understand our calling, if we don't understand our design, if you don't take time to figure out your purpose and allow other people to help you figure it out, you will begin to pursue a, call, a career or a job so that you can prove yourself. We all want to matter. We all want to know that we're making a contribution to something. We all want ourselves to be distinguished. We want our lives to not be a waste. And one of the easiest ways we can do that is to prove ourselves with a job that pays us a certain salary, or that gets us a certain amount of notoriety, or that's involved in a certain amount of social change, and on and on and on. But you know what the reality is? That all of your worth and value has already been provided for you in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Full stop. That you don't need to go find value and meaning and purpose in a job because as a follower of Christ, you already possess that. That sets you free now Not to go get a job so that you can prove something to be true, but because something already is true about you. And the difference, I think, one will lead you to depression and midlife crisis and chasing things that you'll never catch. And the other one will lead you to say some of the same things that Paul says in Philippians 4. I've found contentment in all circumstances. I know the secret I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He knows his identity. He knows his calling. And that's what helps him persevere when he's getting a great paycheck Mm -hmm. and when the support has dried up. Mm -hmm. He keeps sharing the gospel, not because it gets him anything, but because it's who he is. And once he understands who he is, then he is able to become a gift to those around them. Gosh, that's good.
0: Man, that's good. Do you see why I brought him on? Do you see why I dragged him on here? Um, I just memorized the script that you so gave good. me, man. Yeah, no, I wrote that for you. Yeah, yeah thank you. Uh, man, that's, that is so good. Um, the theology of identity impacts, right, employment. We see it impacts um, community. Uh, how does it impact? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into yeah. a topical realm here yeah. uh, that I think relevant to us. How does it impact dating? How does it impact in finding a spouse, understanding that identity, to be able to find a spouse or what that looks like or how compatibility plays into that.
1: Hopefully you guys can go ahead and (laughs) run ahead of me on this one. You wanna matter, you wanna have significance, Mm -hmm. you think that your life isn't gonna be valuable until my design's not complete unless it can send you into a dating relationship for all the wrong reasons. You talk about people being insecure. Why are people insecure? Because they want to define themselves. They want to to know that they're okay. Well, how how would you tell someone to, how would you counsel someone to find security? Well, in the world's eyes, it's all achievement-based. And dating, I've got news for you, is all achievement-based. So if you have two insecure people entering into a relationship where they're trying to figure out whether or not they want to get married, and neither of them know exactly what it is that they're supposed to be doing on the earth.
0: And by insecure, you mean people who don't have a firm grasp of their
1: identity. Yes, people that are trying to define themselves, Searching trying to get. That. I'm the, One of the reasons I would hang out with you is to get mm-hmm. identity, to, mm-hmm. to, to, to have for myself. And, and probably
0: nothing more, there's nothing that brings that out more than I would say relationships because we're designed to be in relationships and specifically in this season of our life. It's like, but I'm, if I'm still single, I shouldn't be single at this point. I want to, I want to have that. You're looking for that. Here's a
1: good difference. The insecure person is always trying to get the secure, the secure person is always giving. And so in a dating relationship, if you're going into that dating relationship to get something from another person, Mm. you're always, you're just going to use them. And that relationship will not be healthy. Mm -hmm. But if both people can go into a relationship where they're both willing to give Mm -hmm. because they already believe that their worth and value was determined by the death and resurrection of Christ, Mm -hmm. not by whether or not they're a good boyfriend or girlfriend, not by whether or not they have a decent paying job, not by whether or not whatever achievement that they think is significant. But if my worth and value is based on Jesus Christ, and I understand he's designed me to be X or Y or Z or whatever, I can go into a dating relationship free from the need to get something from that other Mm -hmm. person. And I can now spend the rest of my life giving them my attention, giving them my service, giving them my love so that they can benefit even if it costs me everything. I don't mind laying my life down now because I'm not trying to compete or, uh, or win. And I got news for you guys. When you're insecure, this happens in my marriage all the time. The moments when I'm most insecure are the moments when I find myself competing with my wife. 15 years into marriage. Hmm. So I think as you approach dating, I want you guys to understand that if you can understand your purpose in life and that that can be separate from um, the significance that you find in a relationship or the love or the companionship that you find in a relationship, I think that will make your relationships just from a foundational level so much more healthy from the get-go that you'll be able to, um, to walk through a relationship, whether it goes to marriage or whether it breaks up, it won't be the end of your life if the relationship ends. Or if the relationship does make it to marriage, and you're like, yes, I finally made it. And then you get on the second or third or fourth year into marriage, and you're like, wait a second. I thought this was going to be better than it is. Then you're not let down. Because you made a facet of your identity into the ultimate part of your identity. Okay? So whether that's your career or whether that's your relationship, we tend to take the facet yeah. for the whole.
0: And even that security, that, I, that realization and, and confidence in my identity, my God-given identity, uh, also gives me the faith to wait when, that, when the relationship isn't there yet. Exactly. You know, or isn't point. there. And, and I think that's one of the things that becomes so paralyzing for so many people I love in, in this crowd and, and friends in this crowd is that I want so badly for them to have that. Mm-hmm. And, and it is so painful because it's like, man, what what am I doing wrong? And it allows there to be some level of security in that waiting. Exactly. It and it's happened. not
1: just security too. It's also an element of your continual design. So yeah. your experiences make up who you are, your parents, where you were raised, you know what kind of situation you had in your home, all those things are things that are currently making you into the man or the woman that you're becoming. And if you're going through the darkness right now and you're, you're thinking, gosh, man, I wish I could just be married right now, that's making you into the man that you will be. That's making you into the husband that you will be one day. Mm-hmm. That's making you into the wife that you will be one day. If you can trust that Jesus is who makes you significant, then you can, in the waiting Allow that to transform you into the wife that he has designed you to be for that man, for that family, for those children, for the church, for the kingdom, for the world. But if you're just all about getting, you're not going to be thinking about that. You're going to be running off focused on your wants and your needs, and you're not going to have your mind set on the things of God.
0: That's so good. That's so good. Um... Uh, you wrote uh, a book I did man we'll put that up on social media uh, Matts you've done a lot of so there's a lot of resources that maybe we can start uh, throwing out or or um, putting on Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. but what was the date? It's called the dating book
1: yes, the dating book
0: datingbook dot wordpress dot com and we'll put it on we'll put it on our social yeah. media. How did that come, and just as a resource to you guys because there's you know weeks of, I feel like, material in that that we're not going to cover tonight, specifically on a topic that, if that is something that interests you, if you do want to zoom in more on, okay, how do I really step into this dating world and and attaching identity to that?
1: So the book came out, we wrote it in 2011, and my students basically said, you have to write this, because what was happening was, we were seeing our students, they were coming to understand their identity and Mm -hmm. their calling, and as that happened, the opposite gender was going, hey... Look at him, because yeah. they're all coming in clueless and not knowing what they're wanting to do, but as they come to be more confident and mm-hmm. specific about, this is who God has declared me to be, so I'm going to declare my trust mm-hmm. in God's design of me, that actually made them more attractive to the other person. So it's like, now all of a sudden we had all these relationships starting to happen, yeah. and so um, you know I'm doing a, a wedding this weekend, a nice. couple from the same class are getting married, and so basically, we kind of said, well, how does this work? How do you go from attraction and how do you deal with the feelings of attraction and get to engagement? Mm-hmm. And so it's just a, a four-chapter quick look at, you know, um, I think the subtitle is um, Dating is Horrible, but it doesn't have to be, you know, as bad as people says that it is. I want you guys to understand that it kind of comes back to this idea that dating is a performance-oriented structure, but Christianity is a grace-based structure. And so how can we as followers of Christ understand how to come to love someone not based on what they do, but on who they are?
0: Because
1: yeah. dating doesn't teach you to love someone based on who they are. It teaches you to love someone based on how they perform. Hmm. And so it's a way to help you unthink that.
0: That's awesome. A uh, big idea for, for tonight that you would want to leave people with, that you would want to challenge and encourage people, what would be the, the one thing that you were going to tell people you love?
1: If there's, like I said at the beginning... Purpose, direction, goals in life, you can't buy that. It's the one thing that most people in this world are just, they're all winging it. But if as a follower of Christ, you can come to understand those good works that he prepared beforehand for you to walk in, and if you can be confident and specific about those things, then for the next 40, 50, 60 years, you could do that. You would make more of a difference than if you went and dug 100 wells in Africa to give people fresh water. You don't have to go do something crazy amazing in some foreign country to matter. If you will just come to submit and understand God's design of you, and if you will steward that as best as you can, as, as best as you can even understand that design, That's where you get to the end of your life and say the same thing that Jesus says just before he dies in John 17. I have accomplished the work that you sent me to do. John 17, four. I want that on my tombstone. God, I understand that you designed me to be this and as much of that as I am, I gave that back to you and I gave that to others. I've accomplished the work that you've given me to do. If you could say that at the end of your life, that would be more meaningful, more impactful, not for the world, but for the kingdom of God. And if you want to learn how to do that, you've got to build relationships. You've got to let people in. And you've got to ask other people for help. In particular, older people that are better looking than you. (laughs) <clears throat> yeah,
0: that was that so. Was awkward. Yeah, so, so
1: inviting people, inviting mentors, inviting older folks into your life to help speak those things into you.
0: I love that. One of the one of the other selfish plugs of, of why I dragged him up here is you know, when, when Matt and I were talking about this this uh, last week and talking about this topic and what we do with this um, and, and where you know just kind of some of this truth that he was uh, spewing in my office earlier this week. Um, we want you guys to know that. This is why we do this ministry. Uh, we say it almost every week. I'm pretty sure Connor said it tonight. Every single week, you guys who come on a regular basis, you get, I mean, I'm sure you like roll your eyes. Oh, here we go. We're imperfect people, perfect God. All right, we we're that thing again. <laughs> <clears throat> and, then, and then we say, man, this is not a show. We don't want to do this as like, hey, look at this. Wednesday night worship show, 250, 300 people. This, that's not what this is. We want to be community. We don't do connect cards in the back of seats and turn those in and make that announcement because we keep a database and care how many people turn in connect cards. We want to do it because we desperately believe in our purpose as a staff, the Mm -hmm. staff and the people who are invested in building this ministry, we want this to be a community. Uh, Josh and I, whenever we kick off Renovate in January, uh, we're going to do a four-week series on this, on what it looks like to be the church, what it looks like to actually be a part of community that does this, because this is what we're called to, and this is what we're starving for, this kind of community, to be in community, not to not to go to worship shows once a week, to be in community with other people who love you enough to speak truth into your life, that we can walk with this incredible balance of truth and grace, mm-hmm. and how loving that that is, that we're not mm-hmm. just all, hey, everyone's perfect, and every, we, we can speak truth, and we can, we can speak grace in people's life, and uh, so I love that, and I think that's something that... Um, it's, it's mind-blowing, honestly, to hear it. But then when you think, okay, practically, how do we do it? We, we walk it out. We right. walk it out in community. And so our hope, honestly, and kind of how we're ending this year and, and ending uh, this year with, with Matt and a lot of this truth is, I hope you start praying. My hope is that during the break, you'd spend some time praying and, and figure out, okay, what's this next year going to look like and how involved are you going to be? And uh, for those of you guys who I love, 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 who um, maybe have kind of just come to renovate, if that's all you can do right now, because of the um, maybe physical energy or emotional energy you have to give, great. But our hope is that you would come and, and get more involved, whether that's serving, whether that's getting plugged into a small group, whether that's being a part of Renovate Project, whether that's playing sports with other people, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. being like, hey, you're not mm-hmm. an athlete, bro, right? That's a loving thing, right? <laughs> there are probably give some up, athletes man. tonight at basketball. There's a couple people that if they come and play basketball, I'm going I'm <laughs> to tell them, hey, man, your identity... You come and play, but don't be on my team. You're horrible. Uh, and uh, You're not LeBron James. Not LeBron James. Not even close, man. You're not even Jason Kidd, man. You're not oh. even anybody. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh. You really? You were offended by Jason Kidd? It's not that offensive. Uh, okay. So anyway, man, that's that's where we're that's where we're going. Um, as, as a ministry is we wanna we wanna spin we wanna kick this we wanna take a break and we wanna kick this ministry off with just that. Um, I I want you to end on telling the story because I love this and I think this is such a a cool thing and I think it kind of puts a practical handle. Talk to me about the naming of
1: your kids. Yeah. So I came to learn this, uh, the the importance of identity and purpose um, while I was working with the Forge. And so one of the things I would say, if you could get to a place where you can articulate your purpose statement for your life, a a way of articulating that, um, it will be really helpful for you. Mine is I'm a voice of one crying out in the wilderness who prepares the way for the Lord Jesus in the lives of men and women. That's why I'm on the planet, and I'm going to do that whether I get paid or not. Okay. And mine,
0: I'm a baller shot caller. That's mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, again, I still need some more community to refine me, I think. I think that's, the, that's what I'm imposing, but I'm not sure. I'm sorry.
1: Yours is so, beautiful. I didn't mean to ruin that one. Oh, moment. no, 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 no. So the, so as I learned the importance of this and I saw, I saw this being impactful in the lives of young, young men and women, 20-somethings, I'm thinking, as our first child came into the world, what would this look like for my children? So we, named, we decided to name our children uh, very intentional names. Um, in, in the Western culture, names tend to be really all about identification so that I can pick you out from you and you out from you. Um, but uh, in Eastern cultures, especially um, a Hebrew culture, names aren't just for identification, they're also names of destiny. So when you're studying your Hebrew Bible especially, pay attention to what the names mean because generally they have something to do with the story like Elijah, the Lord is God. That's a pretty important part of that whole story. That was was bonus. That's good. So when it came to naming our kids, we named my daughter Heidi Catherine. Heidi is German. And it goes with my heritage. My last name is Lance. Very German name's very German. <laughs> so we named her Heidi because we wanted to preserve that heritage, but Heidi means noble. Her, name, her middle name is Catherine. The Greek word katharos means pure. We want her to be a noble, pure woman for God. My son Joseph, uh, Joseph means continuation or God continues to add. So he's our second board. God continued to add for us. And every Joseph in the Bible is a man full of faith who follows the leading of God. And my son happens to be one of the most delightful boys. And the word delightful and Lance usually don't go in the same sentence. So we, we said that his, that his name, his middle name is Barrett, which means bear strength. Mm, he's gonna go. We hope that he goes by bear someday. But, uh, so we named him Joseph so that he would be called, he's a delightful man in whom the spirit of God is strong. And then my youngest son is Micah. His name is a rhetorical question Who is like God? And the answer is no one. And so our prayer for him is that he would do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with his God in such a way that it makes people go, Who is like God? No one. And so when we come to pray with them, I missed it tonight, but when we pray with them in the evenings, I pray the same prayer. I pray the same prayer for nine years for my daughter. Lord Jesus, would you draw Heidi unto yourself? Would you cause her to walk in all of your ways and observe all of your ordinances so that she would be a noble, pure woman for you? She knows that at nine. And now we're teaching her stories and reading to her books and watching movies and saying, that's what nobility looks like. That's what purity looks like. And as she grows into a woman, we're hoping that that purpose doesn't just distinguish her, doesn't just make her better than other people. We're hoping that that purpose matriculates into service in the body of Christ that impacts the world, not for her glory, not for her worth, not so that she can sleep better at night, but for God. And you can do that too. Praise
0: God. Praise God. Um, <clears throat> I want you guys to hear this. I, w- I hope you guys just saw what I saw, which was an earthly father who loves his kids really well. And you sit there and you hear that and you think, God, what an awesome awesome thing. Wow, how how neat is that? Uh, We talk about this all the time. We have an intercessor in our heavenly Father's ear, intercessing for you, saying, "That that is my daughter. This is who she is. This is who she is. This is her identity. Giving you the word to say, look at who you are, who you are. Listen. You are my son. You are my son interceding for you in the Father. We have that in Jesus Christ. So, man, I, I love that story, and I love it, and I love how it draws me in to think, man, what that's awesome, and, and, and yet that is what you, we have.
1: But you got to believe your dad.
0: Yes, and you have to submit to it. You've got to
1: believe your daddy.
0: Yeah, and I think that is our call. Do we believe that we have that Father who says, I didn't make an accident on you? And I didn't just build you in a factory and throw you out there. To fe- I am speaking that identity into it. I've given you the church to, to help. I've given you my word to help. I've given you my spirit to help shape who you are. I care about you. You're not alone. Yep. Um, I love you guys so much. Thank you so much, Matt. <laughs> Let me pray over us, and then uh, the band's going to come back up and, and lead us. And let's respond. Let's respond in worship uh, this evening. Thank you so much, <laughs> Matt. Father, thank you. We want to trust Lord, we want to believe, we want to trust, um, we want to listen, Father, we want to listen to who you say we are, God, Your, uh, it's your words, it's you are the designer, you are the craftsman, and uh, we are the clay, and Lord, would we stop running, stop striving, stop building in our own flesh what we think our identity must be and should be, and we think is valid, and would we stop and surrender and submit and listen to the God of the universe who's crafted us? Um, We praise you for your truth, Lord. We praise you how your spirit works through Matt and has worked through Matt this evening in our life, and we give you the credit and the glory. Um, Would you just continue what you started in us this evening? Um, Would we take this wisdom? Would we take this truth? uh, Would we not just leave it as theoretical and spiritual, but would we apply it and make it personal and practical and surround ourselves with other people who look like you and dig into your divine word and listen, God. We love you. We need you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us first, loving us where we were at. Thank you for the gospel that while we were far away from you, uh, when we didn't deserve you, you still loved us enough to send Christ and the death, burial, and resurrection has brought us into your adopted family a father that's worth trusting. Praise be to you. In the name of Jesus, amen.